Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy. Oh, there it is, the dulcet tones of Johnny Gilbert. Then he then he picks up his axe, and I like to think he like just starts hitting that slide, starts hitting that guitar solo. Yeah, I talked to him this week. I, I told him, little did you know, you did a guitar solo that we talk about each week on Inside there Jeopardy. A very versatile performer. Yes, this is Inside Jeopardy from steps away from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Pictures Television in Culver City, California. This is your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Michael Davies. I'm joined by my fairer friend, Sarah Foss. Ah, oh, the fairer friend. Nice to join you again, sir. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to be back. Uh, we've loved all of the comments coming in over our social about Inside Jeopardy. It's been a phenomenal experience so far. We've got a lot coming up today. We're going to be uh, revealing. Oh, yes. Everyone's expecting it. We've been teasing it. Big Tournament of Champions news today, and we're going to share it all. But before we do, we have some recaps of the past week's games. And as always, we're going to be answering your questions at the end of the episode. Yeah, also, we've been receiving uh, multiple requests to play the full Johnny Gilbert on lead guitar theme. Yes. Uh, So at the end of the episode, stay tuned and the whole thing will play yeah you ask we deliver here on inside jeopardy absolutely okay so uh a lot to get to first of all let's get right into the games that aired uh last week it's been a phenomenal you know this has been the second week of our repeats road to the tournament of champions absolutely hand selected by the producing staff we've selected 30 episodes these were episodes six through ten and uh you know this was a doozy of a week We started out the week with Tony Freitas, who had just defeated five-day champion Tyler Road, who we're going to see in the TOC. Yeah, I said last week that Tony Freitas reminded me of an actor, and I couldn't remember who it was, or certainly couldn't remember (laughs) his name. Uh, Couldn't remember the name of the movie he was in. He was in a movie called Bridge of Spies. His name is Mark Rylance, yet another uh, English actor who seems to be nominated for every award. Yeah, you know him from that. I know him from the BFG, the big friendly giant. Yeah, Don't Look Up. He played the billionaire or trillionaire who, at the end, was he eaten? He was eaten by some form of alien uh, 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 quadruped, I believe, at the end. Well, Tony Freitas, you know, maybe he can be a a double for... (laughs) Mark Rylance. Yes, because he only won the one game. He was defeated by Shri Compella. Yeah, absolutely. Tuesday's game, Shri, the champion, uh, goes in, takes on uh, Kate Cohn and Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith, an interesting player. Yeah, he had great stats in this game, 25 correct responses, which is why we're going to see him back in second chance. Kate Cohn, also a great player. This was a great game. Yeah, superb. Wednesday show... Yeah, I remember this really, really well because this was Andrew He's first game played against Dane Reichard and Mary Camella. This was an exciting game because we had these huge daily doubles. First from Andrew He, then from Dane Reigard. 
huge totals in this game. Uh, exciting when this happens. I mean, Andrew, he, I think we would say he is he is a Holtzarian kind of uh, Jeopardy player. Goes big on the daily doubles without giving anything away in the new season. We've seen a little bit of this. Uh, we've started taping bit, the new season. Bit. We've done the first five weeks and we've seen some Holtzarian style play. Uh, so exciting to see. So he goes into another game. We covered that on Thursday up against Molly Carroll and Jeff Myers. Both really great players. And I think this is where Andrew starts to really prove himself. You know, Andrew, he, I think, has been, you know, mentioned by many as being, you know, a uh, when you just look at his pure stats, this is a guy who could come into TOC and really do some damage. Yeah, we've heard people call him perhaps the dark horse. We will see. Uh, Molly Carroll, going to see her in second chance. She went all in to match Andrew's score. She had a chance, but Andrew wagered $1. He was correct, and he went on for his fourth win. Yeah, and the final episode of the week, uh, I would say a piece of Jeopardy history. Andrew He, Max McDonald, and the first appearance on the Alex Trebek stage of Amy Snyder. It all came down to final Jeopardy. Had Andrew come up with the correct response, we would never have gone on to see the 40-game streak of Amy Schneider. Wow, cannot wait to see Andrew, can't wait to see Amy, can't wait to see all of these people back uh, for Second Chance and then for TOC. Okay, Sarah, I think talking of, it's finally time for us to reveal the highly anticipated 2022 Tournament of Champions contestants and the new structure. Yes, Michael, and it is only fitting for our first ever Tournament of Champions preview edition of Inside Jeopardy, we bring in a very special guest. He's the 2017 Tournament of Champions winner. He's the 2021 Tournament of Champions host. It is Buzzy Cohen. Buzzy, welcome to the show. Michael, Sarah, honored to be here. Uh, I pride myself on appearing in more Tournament of Champions than anybody other than Alex Trebek and the Clue Crew. Yeah, well, because you have competed as a player. That's right. Uh, you have hosted as a host. I have also appeared as a consumer cellular talking head <laughs> encouraging the players between rounds. Okay, this is all really That's important true. stuff. Fun fact, Ken Jennings never appeared in a never Tournament of Champions, so this is actually going to be his first when he hosts it. Absolutely. So this is exciting for us, Buzzy. You are our first ever guest on Inside Jeopardy. Wow. It feels like so natural being here, and it feels like you guys know how to welcome a guest. And I have a lot to say about the Tournament <laughs> of Champions, as you can imagine. I always have a lot to say, but especially when it comes to Tournament of Champions, which I absolutely love. Well, we're happy to have you. Our fans have been speculating for weeks, you know, following the conclusion of the past season, all of our super champions. People have been hypothesizing who would make the cut, how many players would compete, how the new format we've been teasing would work. You don't have to wonder anymore. Let's start the discussion. All right, Buzzy, let's lay it out. Who do we have for people? All right. First up from the Jeopardy! National College Championship, we have Jaskaran Singh. That's right. Jaskaran has said it on Twitter. He's never lost. He's coming into this TOC strong. He was a solid player. We can't wait to see him in the TOC. Got a little bit of the shades of the Colby Burnett coming into the TOC without a loss. Okay. And I like it. youngest <laughs> player who will be competing in this year's TOC. So we'll see if youth is on his side. Next up, we have Sam Buttry. He, of course, was the winner of our professor's tournament automatic bid into the Tournament of Champions. What do you have to say about Sam? You know, I'm interested to see how the professor does in this tournament because, 
you know, he's going to be against players who have gone on huge streaks. He he didn't play. You don't play that many games when you're in these tournaments. Yeah. So it's you have a little bit of an uphill battle to get on that level. Yeah. Also unbeaten though, rather like just gone. <laughs> yeah, and certainly solid. I mean, he had pretty much almost locked up the entire competition in the first day of our two-day final. Yeah. Total point of fair. Yeah. I, and I want to know if he's going to come out with the fake arrow through the head because he does look he just does like look. Steve Martin. He yeah, does. Yeah, everyone commented on it. He commented on it. It's not the first time he served that, but I think it's, it's a pretty good compliment. Yeah. Okay. Next, next up, Amy Schneider. I know so many people are awaiting the return of Amy Schneider, 40-day champion. You know, here's where I want to say I am a huge fan. I'm excited to see her play. And I think it's hard to come into this tournament as the top seed. We'll talk more about that later, but very excited to see Amy back. Yeah, and she defeated, as we just mentioned, Andrew He. So just that alone, such a strong showing. And then she would go on to beat several other people in her <laughs> huge, huge run. And I have to say, the thing that, you know, struck me about Amy and the thing that perhaps has not been written as much about is Amy's calmness and steadiness and consistency under pressure. You know, yeah. I like to say Jeopardy is a sport. I've said it a couple of times. Not <laughs> no. sure if you've heard about it. I haven't but heard this. <laughs> it is a, you know, one of the, you know, great qualities of the elite pro athlete is their ability to just like keep their game face on and just remain consistent and bounce back ability. Amy's ability to go from a moment where she missed a daily double or she, the very rare time she actually got something wrong, she could just bounce right back, get in on that buzzer and just go on another streak. Yeah. Absolutely. I think especially in this tournament where you're going to be against the top players, you need to be able to just get back in your game and not yeah. worry about what's happened. Another huge champion from both season 37 and season 38, Matt Amodio. One of the things I think so impressive about Matt is that he played with six different hosts in his run, and he still hasn't played with Ken Jennings, so this will be yet another new host for him. I can't imagine having to go through a new host, that many new hosts, and continue to play at his level. Um, I'm getting my spurs down because I think we're getting back on the Amodio rodeo here. Oh, What's that buzzy, you say? <laughs> I know people give him such a hard time, but hey, it's still a question. Next up, we have Matea Roach. So excited to welcome them back to the TOC. Another person I am a big, big fan of, and you got to rep the Canadians. Yeah. Love a Canadian on Jeopardy. Yeah, Matea has become a massive star in Canada. Jeopardy actually is having a renaissance uh, up in Canada right now because of Matea. You know, undoubtedly Rookie of the Year. You know, a player who perhaps their best years of playing Jeopardy are actually ahead of them, like a, a long way down the road. Yeah. Knows so much across so many different um, subjects, categories, areas uh, for someone so young. Yeah. He, in a weird way, reminds me of Pam Mueller, who started out on Jeopardy age 21 and uh. has continued to be part of the Jeopardy community. I see that in Matea's future beyond this tournament, but certainly someone to watch in the tournament. Matea Roach, just 23 years old, 23 huge wins. Can't wait to see them in the TOC. Next up, we have Ryan Long, our rideshare driver from Philadelphia. Love, love this guy and so many people just, I think, loved his story and loved watching him succeed. Ryan's got to be the heart choice in this tournament. You just got to love this guy, and he he plays the game great, and he's got a great story, and you can't help but root for him. 
another guy who remains super calm yep like and super steady you know doesn't show a lot of personality during gameplay can show it during an interview can show it during a a, a post chat um but if he comes in and his head is in it uh, and he's not intimidated by these other players another guy who could do a lot of damage and if he's wearing the homemade necklace from his eight-year-old son, that Love certainly it. brought him some luck. Uh, looking forward to welcoming Ryan Long back. Next up, Jonathan Fisher. We will always remember Jonathan from that huge takedown game, taking down the Amodio Rodeo, Matt Amodio. Now, Jonathan is an interesting one because back in my era of Jeopardy, 11, <laughs> <back> games, <laughs> 11 games was coming in really big. I mean, mm. you know, an 11-game winner would have been, if not at the top of the TOC list, second. Yeah. And so now here he is, a little bit down the list, but this is someone who could be incredibly dangerous, maybe not go all the way, but maybe knock out someone who is a favorite. Yeah, great on the buzzer uh, with the right you know, mix of categories. You know, There was this sense when he was playing, I remember reading some fan uh, comments that it was, oh, he's only good at the pop culture. That actually isn't true. He was good at a lot of things. He was amazing at the word games and the wordplay. He was amazing at literature, amazing at theater, amazing at all sorts of things. Yeah, and interestingly enough, depending on how things go in second chance, we could have a rematch of sorts because, of course, we know we're going to be seeing Matt in the TOC. We could be seeing Jessica Stevens, depending on how she performs in second chance, and Jonathan Fisher. So anything can happen. Next up, we have Brian Chang from Season 37, seven-game winner. Yeah, again, seven games doesn't sound that impressive in a in the Season 39 era of Jeopardy, <laughs> but this yeah. it takes a lot of fortitude to get through seven games, no matter what. You're crossing over a tape day, and I think if Brian, depending on what he's done in the offseason, I think the, the people in this zone, are they've proven they know the stuff, and they might feel like they've got something to prove. Absolutely. This is before my era, uh, Brian Chang. This is a, a season 37 uh, qualifier. What else do you notice about him, Sarah? Well, you know what? He wears a half zip. Oh, I know no. that much. Can be controversial. And he had an unusual you know, curve in his streak because he had to go up against Zach Newkirk, who came in as a four-day champion. Zach was our ending champion for the end of the season, but because of COVID, we couldn't bring Zach oh. back at the very mm. beginning of the season. So by the time it was safe to bring him back, we planned these things weeks in advance, not knowing who the returning champion will be. So Brian got the unlucky fortune to be paired up against a four-day champion. It was a great game, but in the end, he ends it at a mere seven wins. Yeah. All right, next up, we have Courtney Shaw. She was also a season 37 champion, and she came along when we were having a bit of a drought. You know, we had gone 88 games without a four-game-plus champion. So wow. Courtney was a welcome return to kind of seeing those TOC streakers that we had been missing. Looking forward to meeting her. Who's next, Sarah? We've got Erica Hasek, a rather recent champion, and he is the one that you may remember defeated Ryan Long. So an yeah. impressive victory. Yeah. And here's a, here's a situation. Eric is a meteorologist probably has some on-camera experience and I think that's where people get on the stage they get a little nervous he might have had a little bit of an edge given that he already is used to the cameras used to the lights Buzzy I should mention wearing a peak lapel navy blue uh, suit a a slightly spread uh, English collar I would I would describe that as a skinny blue tie sort of your style a little bit um, 60s I'll take issue with the navy. The lighting is darkest here. This is a cobalt. Okay, ah. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. Uh, you're in the. Uh, you, how would you describe your eyewear? 
Signature. Signature. Mm, okay, round. and a uh, a brown uh, lace up. That's not an Oxford. What would that be? Um, this would be. Uh, this is actually uh, a split toe. Okay, nice. A little more European. Okay. A little more continental. I like it. You are you are the <laughs> continental. Sorry, Sarah. I had to. It's just, okay. I, I had love to get in because Buzzy is so beautifully any beautifully. Uh, turned out every single time we see him. Yeah, I love to comment on Buzzy's fashion. I've actually only ever seen him not in a suit one time. That's right. Yeah, it's very rare, very rare to catch me not in a suit. Okay, now we have Zach Newkirk, who we just spoke about, six-game winner, and um, had some unusual circumstances, you know, due to COVID-19. He left season 36 as our champion, wasn't able to return for months. He played with both Alex Trebek and Ken Jennings. He says he's honored to have done so, and he'll see Ken back in the TOC. And I think the fact that he could take a break, a long break, come back and win, shows that he might bring some heat to this Tournament of Champions, because huh. that is the hardest thing for players to have this long break and come back. Well, you're the only uh, person here who's taken a down in this league, Fuzzy, <laughs> so you would know. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. <laughs> all right, we have Megan Walkspress next, and she is a six-time champion who defeated six-time champion Erica Hasek. This is when we were kind of yeah. in a streak of champions. We went from Ryan to mm. Eric, then to Megan. I think what might be working against Megan is a low average score. That does not bode well when you're playing at this level. But again, off-season, you can kick up your game in a major way. Anything can happen in Jeopardy. Next up, Andrew He. We've spoken about him. Perhaps a dark horse. Only has five victories. But again, he did come up against Amy Schneider in his sixth game. Here's a case where you look at his average score, almost $30,000 a game. That's the kind of numbers that people need to be putting up to be competitive in the Tournament of Champions. Yeah, he's Holtzarian in the way he plays. He is... Uh, Buzzy-esque in the way he uh, dresses, I would say. <laughs> do, we, do we want to say Jacobian? Like oh, yeah, James? Good. You know, ah. like a, take it from oh, the British. Yeah, Jac- a Jacobian player. And then what do we do with Buzzy? Um, there's no one like me. I'm <laughs> okay, one of a kind. Okay. <laughs> All right, Tyler. <laughs> moving on. There is no one like you, Buzzy. Tyler Road is next, a five-day champion. We've seen some of his big wins in our first week of reruns. Oh, yes, Tyler. So active on social. I would say he's sort of the Jeopardy fanboy number one. Uh, I love it. I love uh, I love his Twitter. Really makes me laugh all the time. Uh, 
certainly had one of my uh, favorite tweets this season. The hottest club in LA is Sony's parking lot number two. It's got everything. Nerds, sanitation bags, cookies, a metal detector, and a poster of the Goldbergs. (laughs) We're going to need that comic relief in TOC, if nothing else. And finally, for now, we have Jackie Kelly, another late season 38 champion, four games won, but a high total of $115,100. And she was an elite athlete in high school, and if she can apply that mentality of training, it's trouble. Yeah, Jeopardy is a sport. And she ran middle distance, I believe, which I ran too, and it's just mentally mentally such a draining thing to do. So uh, I love it. Anyway, normally, that's 15, right, Sarah? Normally, that is where a TOC cutoff Uh, would be. Yes, we would just go in with our top 15. They'd play a two-week competition. We'd have four wild card spots. We would have a two-day total point affair. You love to say it, Buzzy. I love a two-day total point affair. So this is where the new format comes into place uh, because we've got four more names for you. Here we go. You didn't know if you'd see him in the TOC, but you're going to see John Folk, a four-day champion from season 37. Funny story about John. During COVID, we all wore many different hats. I worked in the contestant department, and I did John's Zoom audition way back in the day. Wow. And he went on to be a four-day champion, and now he's coming to the TOC. Yep, and a, an active Jeopardata user. And also, it seems like he's got a little bit of that uh, base, you know, um, money ball background. And if he can apply that brain to how he prepares, you know, a lot of players such as James, such as um, Alex Jacob bring that kind of statistical analysis of the game and are very successful. I know a lot of people are going to be happy to hear this name making the TOC. Margaret Shelton, regular Virginia. Margaret Shelton from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Another four-day champion, and uh, we're excited to welcome her back. Signature eyewear does well in the TOC. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, another one of our people sliding into the new format, Maureen O'Neill, another four-day champion. Uh, and she defeated Margaret, so I love when people are re-meeting each other yeah. in the TOC. Yeah, storyline. It's good. It's better, <laughs> easier for Sarah and I to write the opens. <laughs> uh, it gives us something to go on. We've got a starting point. Finally, yeah. our last participant, with the exception of our two second chancers, who will also be in the TOC, is Christine Welchel, a really special player. I think yeah. so many people are going to be excited to welcome back. If you remember Christine's story, she had just gone into remission from cancer. Her first three games, she chose to wear a wig. And yeah. then when she came back the next week, she said, you know what? I want to put a real picture on what cancer survival looks like. Yeah. And what a beautiful picture she painted for us. A great four-day champion. Yeah. It is amazing how... You know, sometimes when when somebody wins one episode, we don't really get to know them and you don't really have an idea of their personality. As they start to win more episodes, they almost reveal themselves. It's like sort of unpeeling an onion and you start to see this this person underneath. I think no one is a better example of that than Christine. Absolutely. And I think I, I can say as a former contestant, that first game, you are just so full of adrenaline, so focused. As you get into the rhythm of the taping, you get more comfortable and naturally more of yourself can come out. And I think as you're about to reveal with this tournament of champions, we're going to get to know all of these amazing champions much, much better. That's right. Side note, we've got to do a live watch along of Buzzy's first episode with Buzzy. I think that would be, that would be. (laughs) I love it. It would be like the, uh, not the director's cut. It would be, I suppose it would be the, 
the the players cut the players cut uh, well i actually defeated 6 day champion andrew pow in my first huh. match and and he came back to that tournament of champions well looking to our tournament <laughs> of champions here is how it's going to play out with these final four contestants along with our two winners of second chance we will have a total field of 21 those 21 contestants are going to play in a series of games but here's the catch this year we are going to be seeding amy Matt and Matea into the semifinals. Yeah, I mean that none of these decisions were made lightly, but in some ways we looked at Matea and Matt and Amy. We had to draw a distinction um, between them and the rest of our players, or it was easy to when we started to look at the numbers and what would be a satisfying tournament. And and you're not talking about the three top seeds that are two or three games ahead of everyone. They're they have played historical runs of yeah. the game of Jeopardy. And as much as that seeding might seem like an advantage, and in some ways it is, it also might be a disadvantage in that the other players they're going to be up against in those semifinals are going to have a little bit of practice with the buzzer. Yeah, I would say the pushback I got from my team about seeding them was never about the advantage. It was about the disadvantage of they would then go into that second round or the you know the semi-finals the yeah. semi-finals cool. without having played a game and actually one of the things i think we're we've been talking about is how do we give them some a practice game that right. feels somewhat real a practice game by the way that may break the internet were we ever <laughs> to put it out there they have um, to rehearse yeah. and yeah. guess who they have to rehearse against yeah Right. Well, and I mean, no one would know what the advantage or disadvantage is better than Ken. As we know, he never appeared in a tournament of champions. He has never <laughs> appeared in a tournament of champions. But he was in the ultimate tournament of champions, and he was seeded into the finals. Yeah. So he would be able to tell you what it's like coming against these players that have been playing for days, and then all of a sudden you come in cold. Yeah. And we talked to Ken about it, and, you know, he could see it from both sides. He really was was open to what we were going to decide, but he definitely saw it from both points of view. Yeah, and I think one of my major principles uh, for this is that I wanted to have nine people reach the semifinals and no wild cards and send three winners into the final. That was one of the major principles. The way you get there is by having 27 people in the opening round. That felt too many, and looking at the list and looking at the cutoffs, it just felt right to seed. Um, Matt, Amy, Matea, and to bring in 18 players, you know, to to have six other winners come against them to go into those uh, semifinals. So here's how it will work. It's going to begin with six quarterfinal games. The winners of each of those games will advance to the semifinals, and this is where we will add in our three seeded players for a total of nine semifinalists. Yeah. Those nine players will play in three separate games, and the winner of each will advance to the finals. No wild cards. This is where things get really interesting. We're taking it back to our GOAT competition format. So the three finalists will play the first to three in a series of games. So the finals can be anywhere from three to seven days, depending on how long it takes a single player to reach three total wins. The first contestant to win three games will be crowned the 2022 Tournament of Champions winner. Or or belted the <laughs> Oh, yes, oh, the uh, belt. Tournament of yeah, there, there may well be a belt. Yeah. <laughs> well, the belt did originate with you, 
Yeah. With you, Buzzy Cohen. Well, it originated with my wife because there was no trophy for the Tournament of Champions. There is a nice check, but there's no trophy. And so she felt she wanted me to have something. Went to the trophy store, saw they made belts, knows that I'm a huge Rocky fan, mm. made me a championship belt. And then I threw it out on Twitter that whoever won the next one, I would make a belt for them. And then that ended up being James. And then he made it for the last winner, Sam. Sam Cavanaugh. I will not say whether or not Sam has asked me for the name of the trophy store that makes oh. our belts. He right. may or may not have. He may or may not he have. He may or may not have. We I, may or may not be in contact with him about it. I may or may not have some thoughts about this new format. Okay. Well, <laughs> look, I know you love a total points affair. I know you're a fan of a total points affair. I think that I am... I struggle a little bit with the total points affair. I like the phrase, a two-day total oh. point yeah, affair. Yeah, really I like the, it out loud. I like the, <laughs> the sexiness of it. Yeah. You know, I, I had an idea for a... A screenplay where Alex played a fictionalized version of himself and he gets pulled into international intrigue and it was called Two Day Total Point Affair. <laughs> However, <laughs> what I love about this format, the good thing is the Jeopardy fans are going to let you know what they think about oh, this new format. That's why I'm sitting here a little bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about this is every contestant has to play every game to win. And that was always how I approached playing. And it was always I, I even in my tournament of champions in the quarterfinals, I could have very easily punted in my first game and gone for a wild card and I just bet bet almost everything for the win. Yeah. And I think if you are playing to win every game, you are gonna get more exciting games and whoever makes it to the finals is going to be an incredible player or three incredible players, and we are potentially getting, well, definitely getting a lot more time with them. And I think America and Canada is going to love spending all that extra time with the finalists of this tournament. Yeah, look, I was a massive fan of GOAT. GOAT was, uh, for me, long before I was at Jeopardy, when I was a rival quiz show producer. <laughs> I remember, I think I was doing Millionaire in primetime at that point for ABC, and I looked at GOAT and I watched that format and I was just there for it every single uh, night. And I just feel that one thing that the, you know, season 38 has proven is that we have passionate fans who are passionate about the superheroes who play our game. And we're going to have something to really follow. And for me, a two-day final can sometimes be, the second game can somewhat be somewhat anticlimactic because it's already done. Or the first game could not matter. Yeah. Yeah. As Buzzy in my Cohen, case. perfect yeah. example of that. <laughs> I, and I think that it what this does is it keeps the daily Jeopardy strategy alive. You're not playing for a wild card. You're not treating the first final Jeopardy of the finals as a daily double where it kind of could matter, could not matter. Every game you've got to play to win. And I think that we're going to see people really pulling it out and let's let's just think about how good these players are going to have to be who end up making the final and it is no foregone conclusion no. that matt and amy uh, and matea are going to make the final well i would love to look back at the 2019 tournament of champions where in the two games emma won the first game essentially and james won the second game if we had this format yeah it is not a foregone conclusion that james would have gone on to win the Tournament of Champions. And what happens in these types of games, as Ken experienced in GOAT, is you have to match the type of play that your competitors have. So when Ken was in GOAT, James was going to do huge all-in daily doubles. Ken wasn't comfortable playing like that, but he had no choice. So he had to rise up his game to meet what James was doing. I think our other players are going to have to do the same in the finals. And just like in any multi-game playoff, like in the NBA, you know, you, the teams adjust. 
and right. players are going to have to adjust yeah. their playing style during this kind of final um, to go and play. So, look, uh, ultimately, I'm sure there'll be lots of comments and lots of views out there on social media. We should say everything is going to be there at Jeopardy.com. You can go and look at the brackets. You can go and look at exactly how it's structured and see all the names of the people. The two names we don't know are the two second chances, so we're going to make it. And they're going to come in like you know, as wild cards almost in form going into the tournament. Yeah, we're playing the second chance just days before our TOC taping, so and they'll be I, coming in hot. And I think in the spirit of Jeopardy having a postseason as opposed to the Tournament of Champions kind of popping in, popping out every year, every two years, now with the with the best of three finals, it really feels like the culmination of that postseason. Yeah, and look, I um, I think one thing that's very difficult about Jeopardy is it's very tough to test this. It's very tough to experiment with it. I think we found with last year's JNCC, I don't know that we've publicly said this, but I think certainly we've said it to the people that played on, on JNCC that we didn't have a perfect uh, format for that. And we, you know, going forward with JNCC, we want to adjust the format a little bit. I think... You know, it's not like I'm saying this is the fixed format for the postseason forever and ever. I think we're going to learn a lot through Second Chance. We're going to learn a lot through this Tournament of Champions. This certainly felt the best way uh, to do it this time. And I just, i got to tell you, both as a producer and as a fan of the game, I just can't wait for it. I know. I, I've never been more excited to have a front row seat to a competition. <laughs> Buzzy, we couldn't have done this without you. It's so great to have you and welcome you. You're obviously part of our Jeopardy family, but so great to have you on the inside Jeopardy family. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, hope you are back a lot, is all <laughs> I'm going to say. Okay, <laughs> so yes, this is uh, certainly going to be an historical tournament of champions. It will begin on October 31st. We'll be sharing more details, special interviews along the way. Uh, until then, you can view the contestants and structure at jeopardy.com uh, slash TOC2022. Now it's time for one of our favorite parts of the show, your questions. So we've gotten a lot of great questions submitted in the past week. We are reviewing them, but today we want to answer a few. Remember, if you'd like to send in your question, inside Jeopardy podcast at gmail.com. Okay, first up, Robert, he asks, when trailing players are tied, who gets to select the first clue in Double Jeopardy? As recently as show 82-81, it was announced that the player at the lectern closest to the host's position was given preference in the case of a tie. However, without explanation, this rule was not followed in show 8602, Ed 2022-0322, and in show 8653, Ed 2022-601, it was announced that a tied player got to select first by virtue of having given the most recent correct response in the previous round. Did this rule change? And if so, when and why? Well, Robert, it did change a little over a year ago. Uh, we decided that to not give any advantage to a player coming into double jeopardy in a tie, they could obviously pick a daily double being the first one, you know, to select. So we went ahead and changed it. Uh, last person to give a correct response before double jeopardy in a tie, they then get to select first. On behalf of Robert and all fans of Jeopardy, I'm shocked at the lack of transparency. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Sarah literally gave me the death glare. I try to get the death glare once every episode, and I really got the death glare there. And you have done it for this episode. Okay. Acadia asks, how far in advance do you tape the episodes, and how do the contestants on the show get picked? Well, we can tape them up to three months in advance. Sometimes we're on a quicker turnaround. I can tell you for our upcoming celebrity shows in primetime, we've got a two-week yeah. turnaround. Yeah, so they it may really be just airing depends. before we tape them. It's that fast. Just about. And in terms of how the contestants get picked, 
Well, of course, first step, anytime test. Take it at Jeopardy.com. Anytime, no excuse, takes about 15 minutes. Then from there, you get invited to a Zoom audition where you get to take another test because this is Jeopardy. At that point, you get put into another pool. We play a mock game in a Zoom situation where you get to, you know, use a pen as your buzzer, see how you are at calling up categories and giving correct responses, little interview with our contestant team. And from there, you go into the pool for 18 months and hope to get that call. You know, for the Inside Jeopardy live watch along of Buzzy Cohen's first episode, I think we ought to also go through uh, his test, his application, the reasons that he was selected, maybe some of the question marks that the team had about him. I would love to to open the Buzzy file. I've never <laughs> I've never seen into the Buzzy file. Inside Buzzy's Jeopardy. Uh, Buzzy's road from taking the test at home all the way to guest hosting, and well, really all the way to appearing as a guest on Inside Jeopardy. That's it. This is the this is the culmination. The culmination. Of the whole yeah. thing. Uh, okay. Adam asks Davo has mentioned frequently treating Jeopardy as a sport, which is a great viewpoint. One of the most consistent attributes of televised sport is keeping the score on the screen at all times. Can we see that on Jeopardy? It would help track the state of the game uh, rather than quick glances. Obviously, this would impact how clues are displayed, but I trust your team to figure out a way to make it work correctly. Uh, Two things. First of all, Davo, thank you. Uh, I'm often (laughs) referred to as Davo. Occasionally it happens, somebody in the audience happened this last week, or a contestant who happens, has the great misfortune to listen to my other podcast, Men in Blazers, where I'm affectionately referred to as Davo by my uh, partner in pod, uh, Roger Bennett. So Davo, that's clearly someone who is a sports fan or a soccer fan who's listening on Men in Blazers. Um, One of the things that I certainly have affected i think we spoke about this last week is that i call for the three shot a lot more so that we can see the scores especially in a tight game especially as we get towards the second half of double jeopardy i do think that the future of jeopardy it may not be putting the scores on screen the entire time but it may be a second screen experience that Mm. is there so that you're able to get live stats which is something i'm working on in the control room is to get live stats in the control room so that i know as the game is going on what's happening with the buzzer we have the information but it's not put there in a a form that is kind of like the box score which carlos puts together every single day on the show i would love to get a live stat and i think we would offer some kind of live stat during the show and allow you on a second screen format to sort of get more of that information um i don't know if people at home know this but a lot of the times when players hit a daily double they'll be looking up to the left and that's because all the players have a live readout of the scores and while you're playing you'll often see us our eyes flipping from the game board up to the left and that's to see what the scores are between the different players. Yeah, and the reason I wouldn't put it on the screen the whole time is I think that you're asking a lot of the audience to look at that information plus the clue on a single screen, and it would fight play along, I think. But I think the two-screen system would really work. Well, I don't know how we can top this week with our guest host, Buzzy Cohen, but next week we will be speaking with our Jeopardy! co-head writers, Billy Weiss and Michelle Loud. They lead the team that is responsible for writing, researching, and vetting more than 20,000 clues during a season of Jeopardy! We're going to give you an inside look into what a typical day looks like for them. And of course, if you have any special questions for Billy and Michelle, send them to InsideJeopardyPodcast at gmail.com. Yes, guest host Buzzy Cohen. Interesting. That's it for today's (laughs) episode of Inside Jeopardy! As always... 
please make sure you subscribe to the podcast rate us leave us a comment uh, share across social and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter on Instagram on Facebook and on YouTube see you next week thanks Buzzy okay here's the theme tune <laughs>